Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I am Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined as always by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide podcast wherever you prefer to get them, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else, also on Facebook and YouTube Live and playback for both of those. The Belly Up Podcast Network now hosting us, Travis. The uh, previous network has gone kaput. And uh, the, the slogan, Travis, for Belly As Up. As they is, are want to do. <laughs> it, it's been known to happen. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that Belly Up slogan is uh, uh, kind of a kind of middle fingers the haters, you know. It says, uh, uh, they told us we'd go belly up and we're still here. That's the, that's uh, right there on the website. So. Sounds like a name we could have come up with for maybe yeah. a different reason. You know, <laughs> no belly question. up to the bar. To the bar. No question. Exactly. Yeah, dual meaning there. Sure. <laughs> uh, Talking Tide podcast, of course, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. More on them just a little bit later in the program. We'll probably have a short one for you here for this uh, particular Sunday nighter. Happy Easter, of course, uh, to all of our listeners and viewers out there as well. And, of course, you can get the Talking Tide podcast via Twitter uh, as well. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can get links to the podcast there. Uh, so uh, with that, Travis, we'll dive right in. We got a little bit of catching up to do. I think it's been a, a probably a solid two weeks since we last cast a pod a um, little bit of a transition getting to a new network that uh, had something to do with that certainly and and uh, a little more transition still to come uh, but for now here we are uh, mid spring practice Travis the first scrimmage of the spring in the books for Alabama uh, coming on Friday the second one uh, upcoming this Saturday and uh yeah, Nick Saban with a, a few interesting things to say following that first scrimmage, which, of course, was closed to the public. Probably going to be a few more eyes on that second scrimmage. I imagine some booster eyes, Travis. But, but uh, you know, the quarterback question he kind of preempted. They both played well, right? Hands up, Travis. Uh, didn't care to take any more questions about that, I'm sure. But Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, that battle right there, that's what all eyes are on. That's certainly what all eyes are going to be on come a day on April 22nd as well. Yeah, and I guess you expected them to keep it to those two guys. I mean, obviously, you have the two early enrollees in that mix. But as expected, it's centered totally on Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson in terms of Nick Saban's post-scrimmage comments. And it sounded like a good day for the offense, which when you think about it from the defensive side of things, because I know as a fan – you hear that and you go, oh, my God, you know, the defense has to replace all these guys and uh, it's already going to be problematic. Got a couple of new defensive coaches, uh, but it wasn't just the guys that you have to replace. There were guys that were missing in action, right, on the defensive side of the ball. And Kool-Aid McKinstry, that's a pretty big one over there. Chris Braswell, that's another pretty big one to go along with Dallas Turner already being out. Deontay Lawson, as we know, is out at the inside linebacker position. So, uh, if there is a spring in which the offense might be ahead of an off uh, of a defense for a change, this might be it, even with the situation at quarterback that you're uh, transitioning with right now. 
Yeah, a lot of turnover coming on defense, Travis. No doubt about it, especially the safety position. That was the question I asked Nick Saban right out of the gate. How did Alabama look at that position? He said Malachi Moore played there, and they uh, they ended up going with somebody else at the star spot uh, for this particular scrimmage. I guess uh, with the with the ones at any rate. Uh, but yeah, the the inside linebacker spot, uh, both of those inside linebacker spots in flux. Deontay Lawson, as you noted not participating in spring when fall camp rolls around and he gets back. That'll solidify things there a little bit. But obviously at ILB, uh, they're looking at some youngsters uh, at this point in spring practice. Uh, and I guess a couple guys who aren't quite as young and, and Tresman Marshall, the transfer from Georgia and Justin Jefferson, uh, the junior college transfer, both of those guys, you would think at least one, if not both, you would think are going to be in the mix this fall in some capacity. That's why you bring two year guys in or, or transfers in from the portal. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, with Helms and Jordan Battle moving on, it's a total shakeup in the, in the, at the safety spot as well. Yeah, as you said, right up the middle of that defense, it's nice to know that you're going to have a big like Jaheim Otis in the middle of that defensive line. Uh, but certainly inside linebacker and with Lawson out this spring, uh, even though you have, as you said, gotten some older guys from the junior college ranks and the transfer portal, uh, Marshall, you would think a pretty easy transition going from Georgia system to Alabama system, similar to what Henry Toa Toa did a couple of years going from Tennessee to Alabama. Um, but safety, no doubt, man. I mean, Jordan battled DeMarco Helms played a hell of a lot of football last few years for Alabama and not just those guys, but Brian branch at the sub DB position. So, you know, when you think about no McKinstry on Saturday, uh, Terry and Arnold at corner, but then you're juggling some guys at that spot. Uh, that's a lot of DBs that you have to have to play in those nickel and dime packages, right? I mean, you need to have six game ready defensive backs on a weekly basis. However, that breaks down, whether it's mm -hmm. three safeties and three corners. Um, the last couple of years, it's been four safeties, four safety types and two corners. We've both seen them go back and forth with that year to year, it seems like. So, boy, there's a lot of opportunities right now. And, you know, you heard Caleb Downs, the early enrollee mentioned by Nick Saban. You heard Earl Little at the star position. Um, it's tough, though, because you need a dependable voice on the back end of that defense. So while it's simple to say, well, just play Malachi Moore at the star and play Malachi Moore maybe even at the money and the dime, somebody has to be calling the shots on the back end of the defense. And when you think about it right now, there's not a lot of football played by some of those other candidates. No, and it's it's got to be a safety because it needs to be somebody in the middle of the field who's within earshot of both corners, and of yeah. course the middle linebacker is dealing with calls for the front. So yeah, they they that's something that's got to get nailed down. A day is going to be fun because you mentioned the uh, all the DBs needed for those specialty packages, Travis. How about on A day when you got two secondaries? You need twelve. You need to find yeah. twelve DBs uh, to work those dime spots. Those those uh. Uh, which, whichever team ends up being the ones on offense and the twos on defense, there's going to be uh, uh, some nickels and dimes on that squad too. So Yeah, and for a guy like Christian Story, some of these guys that have been around, Jacquez Robinson's been around yeah. for a while now, uh, whether you're talking about safety, whether you're talking about sub roles, uh, the opportunity 
isn't going to get better than it is right now for a lot of these guys. So to say it's sort of a fork in the road type of uh, stretch for some of these guys, uh, no doubt about it. Now you've got plenty of first and second year guys that are still learning, right? So uh, if it doesn't happen, even in this window, there's another window maybe in a year or two that you could see opening up for some of those guys. But yeah, there's some there's some veteran types that need to really take care of business right now. I sharpened my pencil for a little math last week, Travis, for a column I wrote on just how young this Alabama team is. Uh, that 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 and those remedial math skills as they are uh, turned up 179 career starts on the spring roster right now. Last year they had 280. Yeah. It's like oh, that's a lot more. Uh, so this is. Yeah, and I went back and looked at uh, the the spring roster from 08 because obviously there was a lot of turnover after Nick Saban's first season at Alabama. That squad had like 220 career starts going into spring of, of 08. I went back and looked at uh, the 2018 uh, spring roster because in 17 they lost that record 12 draft picks, so a lot of high turnover off of that 17 squad. That, that squad, I think, had uh, 270, 275 career starts. I, I, I venture as strong a guess as, as one could venture that, that this is the youngest spring roster Nick Saban's ever had. And you throw in the fact, and Saban mentioned this himself at the beginning of the spring, they got 26 mid-year guys. That's why. Yeah, 22 of whom are, are true freshmen. So, you know, not only uh, they got a lot, and that's good for them, right? You you want as many guys coming in as freshmen in the spring as you can. But there's not a ton of veterans uh, that have played a ton of football all over the place at all. No, you like having those early enrollees, but it's gone from liking it to needing it. Yeah. And that's what they need the spring to really fortify even their too deep in a lot of areas of this football team. So, you know who doesn't really like too many of these early enrollees? Football coaches and tuxedo rental companies, because a lot of these guys are missing prom, or maybe That's I would right. think this spring. Yeah. I guess they could get back in May and catch that if it's that late. But uh, no, it just speaks to the, as you said, as you outlined, the youth of this football team. I don't recall Alabama having this many early enrollees, and we're not just talking about transfers or junior college guys. There's a you know a couple dozen high school guys uh, already out there with Alabama. The the most career starts uh, anywhere on Alabama spring roster right now belong to Kool Aid McKinstry and Malachi Moore. Yeah. Uh, so Malachi Moore started more football than I realized when I went back and looked at it. His freshman year and even into his sophomore year. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he played a lot. Those two guys kind of anchor things experience-wise. On the other side of the ball, Travis quickly just hustling back over to the offensive side. Uh, the offensive line, definitely a big key for this team. Uh, you hear Darian Dalcord and some of these offensive linemen. You kind of hear it in what Saban says, too, that they're looking to get back to a level of toughness that, that they feel like was missing last year. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a that's – a relatively experienced group when you look at it. I mean, not, I'm not talking about fourth year starters coming back. Uh, you know, they lost Cohen, they lost Steen, but look, you've got, 
a returning starter, certainly in J.C. Latham. I guess it remains to be seen if he'll be playing right tackle or left. Um, my best guess would be left, assuming he, he develops uh, the way the coaching staff and, and Eric Walford would like. Uh, but then on the interior, uh, you got Tyler Booker, who I know the staff is excited about, played a lot of football uh, at one guard spot. Seth McLaughlin uh, and Darian Dalcourt's getting a look at guard, too. So across the three in the interior, if you count Dalcourt as a guard, uh, you got some experience there. Uh, but they are wide open for one tackle spot, Travis. I guess Elijah Pritchett may be the front runner there, but that'll be something to watch on 8A2. Yeah, I think if the one tackle spot takes care of itself, they're going to be fine inside. Seth McLaughlin looking like maybe he's really settling in as the standalone choice, but it's certainly a luxury to have a guy in Darian Dahlcourt who has played as much at the center position as he has the last couple of years. Big thing for Dahlcourt is guy hasn't been able to stay healthy. I mean, by the end of the 2021 season, he was playing on two sprained ankles. And then last year he had another injury issue. So you hope for him in his fifth year, he's able to stay on the field. If he can, then perhaps you do partner him with McLaughlin there as a guard center combo to go along with uh, perhaps Booker at the other guard spot at Pritchett. Hey, if Pritchett is good enough to nail down the left tackle spot, then you're in a great spot because we know what J.C. Latham can give you at right tackle. Right. J.C. Latham's struggles last year weren't so much physically related or maybe he was overmatched at times. There were just penalty issues for him. So if he cleans up the penalty issues – and Pritchett is good enough and you feel good enough about him to go with him on that left tackle, um, you're in a great spot at that position. So I think there's plenty of scenarios to consider uh, to go along with Dahlcourt, perhaps at guard. Uh, Ferguson is one of those guys that's been around a while now. You've got some young players like Ola Salinan that we've seen working inside. Uh, can be a tackle as well. So I think the interior, they're going to be just fine. Roy Dell Williams back at practice. That was another note from Saturday. He began practice uh, limited uh, for injury reasons, but uh, Nick Saban confirming that he has returned. He participated in the scrimmage. That running back spot, Travis, you got Jace McClellan coming back, Williams coming back, Justice Haynes, the freshman coming in, highly touted freshman uh, coming in, son of the former Georgia running back, Veron Haynes, and don't forget Jam Miller. Uh, so, Interesting to see what that mix brings forth as well. Yeah, and you heard Nick say it after the scrimmage on Friday. He feels good about those four guys. And you got another four, five-star type coming in uh, this summer to go with that group. So, look, they feel good enough about that group right now that Emmanuel Henderson, who was a top three running back for the 2022 cycle, they've been able to put him out at wide receiver and pretty much leave him there. And I think Mm -hmm. they feel good about his future at wide receiver. But when you think about, you know, the the talk about becoming more of a physical presence, well, it makes sense because maybe your strongest area of the offense right now anyway is the running back position. So uh, to feature those guys is sensible. Uh, it would be great to see some more of these wide receivers continue to come on. I know Nick was asked about Malik Benson What I liked about his comment in relation to the junior college transfer was that he said Benson is a really good all-around player. So 
know, this isn't the situation a year ago where you went to the portal once again with speed in mind and you kind of struck out there. Uh, this is a guy that can help you in all three levels of the passing game. It sounds like certainly speed a big part of that with his ability to to get deep. But yeah, if you can get that group to come along uh, and and kind of figure out the quarterback situation, uh, the balance that we've heard Nick talk about, you should be able to achieve. Yeah, no doubt. And if Benson's able to stretch the field vertically, that's going to be huge for Alabama. Like you said, if he's a good all-around football player and can break into that rotation, that's going to help Alabama regardless. Uh, but, you know, I felt like a lot of the deep completions that Alabama Young was able to connect with last year, not 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 a, not all of them certainly, but a lot of them were kind of broken plays, finding busted coverages, et cetera. Not necessarily what we saw maybe from Jamison Williams a year earlier where he was just beating people by two, you know, beating corners downfield by two steps, three steps or more uh, and, and getting it done that way. Alabama really didn't have that guy last year. Uh, if Malik Benson is able to be that guy and kind of bring that element of the passing game back, it's going to be big uh, for Simpson, Milrow, whoever's at that quarterback spot. Yeah, it felt like last year Alabama had a couple of solid number twos, but didn't have that true number one type that they had had over a stretch of really a decade or more. If you go back to Julio uh, starting in 2008, pretty much year in and year out, I guess 11 was a little bit of a break in that. But then 12, Amari comes in, then you go into Calvin Ridley, and then you're just rolling uh, into that group. So no doubt uh, Malik Benson, uh, similar to Justin Jefferson on the defensive side of the ball. You went junior college because you believe this guy could come in and really uh, add something to that wide receiver position. I still think they've got some guys in the last class or so, last couple classes that they feel like can still help them. Isaiah Bond being one of those guys. Um, and I think Ja'Cory Brooks can be a still be a really, really good player. Same for Jermaine Burton. Uh, but if they get Benson uh, to, to be that sort of, uh, play action, deep threat. How many times have we heard Nick mention that, too, uh, since the start of spring? Play action, passing, play action, passing. Well, you know, if you can run it, it should help some of these other guys get open, too, that maybe need a little help because right. you have to really work and, and pay attention to the run game. Uh, but there's guys like Benson that you hope that even when you're not running it well, he's a guy that can can get the job done. The Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on, uh, going to thank a sponsor, Travis, a sponsor, Peterbrook Chocolatier. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, Peterbrook Chocolatier right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Coming off another great stretch for Easter. I know the staff there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, extremely thankful to you for your trust in them to make your holiday especially special. And you know what? You're going to have Mother's Day coming up right around the corner. So never too early to get ready for that. But in the meantime, treat yourself, right? Go by there. Check out that chocolate carousel, as I call it, right there in the middle of the store. You know, when I walk in, that looks like one of those, uh, I don't know, one of those carousels to a four or five-year-old, you know, with the horses (laughs) on it and all that. But it's a chocolate carousel, and now yeah. I can jump on it. You know, I jump on that thing, 
I get the dark chocolate almonds. I get the dark chocolate malt balls. I got the dark chocolate espresso beans. I got milk chocolate raisins, all that great stuff right there in the carousel when you walk in to Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Caitlin and her great staff, they're going to take great care of you. Check them out today, Peterbrook Chocolatier, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. There must be smoke coming off the cash register after <laughs> Easter over there. It's got to be. Yeah, you know, well, you know, it's like I've always told folks, um, it's not from Peter Cottontail if it's not from Peter Brook Chocolatier. So <laughs> there you, you, know, go. you put that little bit on them and it kind of pressures them maybe a little bit. Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on, Travis, we'll talk uh, a little bit of Alabama basketball here before we close things out. Maybe touch on that Hugh Freeze idea about uh, inner, inner squad spring scrimmages, uh, but first basketball, Travis, the exodus has begun with this basketball roster. Uh, if if NATO, it's unbelievable how many guys have bolted at this point. If NATO's had a scrimmage right now, I think it'd be a one-on-one between Riley Griffin <laughs> and Nick Pringle. Uh, 3v3, you know, the Gus yeah. Macker, that old tournament. Remember that? <laughs> So, uh, but now, of course, a couple of these guys could be back, though, Travis. But this, you know, as we as we said at the top of the show, it's been a couple of weeks since we podcasted last. At that time, Alabama's basketball roster hadn't quite fallen apart. Now it pretty much is completely falling apart. And so to recap, uh, Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, of course, off to the NBA draft. We won't be seeing them uh, coming back. Jaden Bradley has entered the transfer portal. Highly unlikely we see Jaden Bradley back. You've got Charles Bediaco, Javon Quinterly, and Mark Sears all declaring NBA draft eligibility. Conceivably, all of them could be back at Alabama, Travis. I think Bediaco maybe may uh, – I think Sears and Bediaco probably will be back. That's my guess. Uh, Quinterly – I, I, I'm I'm more questionable about whether we'll see him in a in a college uniform again. Uh, but just your thoughts on uh, the way things have disintegrated on Nate Oates here uh, in the last couple of weeks. College basketball 2023, baby. You know, it's kind of the way it works. And there's this quest now. Every team in college basketball uh, wants to stay old, right? So – it seems like we've transitioned from the one and dones coming out of high school to the transfer portal, just ruling Supreme. Everybody yeah. wants to stay old. Nobody wants to be, you know, too heavy with first year players. And look, Nate, once again, has got a promising looking high school class coming in, but we've even seen some attrition from, you know, that class already uh, some, some movements. So, uh, it's ever-changing when it comes to roster management. I think you hit on it. I think for Mark Sears and Charles Bediaco, where they're at in their college careers, why not test the waters? Get the feedback. You know, do it without representation. That way, if, as expected, you need to go back to school, uh, you can do that. Quinterly, as you said, is the wild card. Um, you know, especially with Jaden Bradley apparently moving on. So, you got to have somebody play on the basketball as a legitimate point guard option. Now, Sears can do some of that, but mm. that's not really who he is. And I think for Mark, it's it would seem likely that he would be back in the college game because, let's be honest, his second half of the season wasn't his best half. 
Uh, and, you know, for a guy at his size, he really needs to shoot the three on a more consistent clip, far more consistent clip than he did this season. So it makes some sense uh, for at least a couple of those three guys that are in that process to come back. Obviously, Brandon Miller, uh, Noah Clowney got first round, not only grades, but promises. And so you, the, you wish them well and off they go. But again, as much as anything, just Alabama working the portal right now and not just working the portal, but now you got Antoine Petway completing the trifecta for assistant coaches to move yeah. on as head coaches. I mean, Nate's got a lot to sort through right now and he's trying to work the portal. You're going to be getting into the recruiting stuff again soon. Uh, he's earning it right now, Chase. Jaquan Walton, by the way, a quick note on an incoming guy from the transfer portal. He's headed to Alabama from Wichita State, a six foot seven forward. He was the leading scorer for the Shockers last year at 14 points a game, about five and a half rebounds per game. Although the story in the Wichita Eagle, Travis, suggests that his immediate eligibility may be in question. He may have to graduate. Uh, and be a grad mm -hmm. transfer in order to be eligible right away. Uh, if he's not able to do that, then conceivably it could be, uh, I guess, 24-25 before he can help Nate Oates. Yeah, he's already gone 4-2-4 once, right? He went Georgia, Shelton State, Wichita State. Yeah. Now Alabama, it appears. Um, and I also understand Latrell Wrightsell Jr., is a guard from Cal State Fullerton that Alabama has interest in. We'll see how that continues to develop. B.J. Mack, the forward from Wofford, uh, has obviously been linked with Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, just to figure out who's coming back, um, how many spots exactly you have, uh, it's a tightrope, man. College coaches have to walk more than ever with those precious spots. Before we get out of here, Travis, really quickly, uh, the Hugh Freeze scrimmage idea, back to football really quickly, the Auburn coach suggesting, I guess, at the beginning of last week, he thinks schools ought to play each other, in-state schools ought to play each other for charity and spring practice. Uh, he mentioned, I, I, I think certainly sensibly so, that it cuts injury risk in half because you only got 11 players on the field instead of 22. Uh and, uh, of course, not surprisingly, uh, the coaches at Troy and UAB, Trent Dilfer, were all for it. They, yes. they, they were thumbs up on the idea. Uh, you know, Nick Saban, his his response when asked was was a mix of uh, – it, it was a mix of an acknowledgement that he likes the idea, but a little noncommittal, I guess, at the same time. Um, it actually sounded like he was – taken a little bit surprised by the question. I'm not even sure. He he may have not even really been briefed on exactly what Freeze had said. Uh, and, you know, while I do think it's a, a neat idea, it seems like an idea that would, that would run into its share of hurdles, too, because uh, it would be a huge change. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, it's a conversation we seem to have almost yearly. And it's, idealistically, it sounds great. Um, to play a, a someone else in the spring. And uh, I think Hugh's idea about, you know, maybe you charge a little bit and the, the take goes to folks or causes and need, that that's all great. Um, look, end of the day, what I always default back to, though, is what does ESPN want to do? 
Uh, I think if ESPN and ESPN Plus wants you to play someone else, then that's probably what will happen at some point down the road. Um, you know, I, I would totally get UAB, Troy, uh, South Alabama, those programs being all four playing the Alabamas and the Auburns and, and the SEC-type programs. But are you going to really write them a check for, like, the 1.2 you would during the fall, Chase? I, I don't no. see that. I don't see that happening. Um, so, it, 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 as you said, there, there's more to it than just saying, yeah, just get them together, charge five bucks, give the money to charity. That's all great. Uh, but we both know logistically and a lot of different ways, including uh, ESPN, uh, you'd have to you'd have to figure more than a, a thing or two out uh, to make it happen. I'll say this about your television point. If the way ESPN distributes spring games this way is any indication, you would think they'd be all for something like this because they've gone from yeah. putting all kinds of spring games on regular TV or ESPN2 or ESPNU. Now they're streaming all that to Plus, yeah. uh, which, which, which tells you, which tells me uh, that it's not the draw they want it to be. And so they might as well make what they can with a streaming service. So I don't know. I, I, I think that's, I think that's part of it. Um, I think they also like the SEC network is committed to, softball baseball spring sports too right now right you know, that's that's part of their deal i think with the southeastern conference is that just because spring games start rolling around in football you can't just start shoveling um you know content towards the streaming platforms that are in season mm-hmm. you know actually in season um but you know what you could do uh, you get alabama and southern miss scrimmaging you could sell more of those espn plus subscriptions if you said, look, that's that's where you're going to find it. Right. I think that's part of what they're doing right now with all the spring games on plus. Now, you know, for, for Alabama, it's certainly different than, say, Vanderbilt from this past weekend, the demand. Um, but I, I'm sure it doesn't hurt from that perspective either. The last year or two that Alabama and A-Day is on ESPN plus, I, I'm, I'm sure they're selling a few subs, more than a few uh, to Alabama fans, begrudgingly, but selling them oh, nonetheless. Very, yeah. very begrudgingly. They don't like that. No. They're like, they're like, wait a minute. I can walk <laughs> into the stadium for free, but I gotta pay to yeah. watch it on day. That's yeah. not that does not yeah. make sense, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh yeah, no doubt about it. If I'm and they've totally flipped it around. I mean, there was a time when when you could catch all kinds of SEC spring games on uh on your regular cable feed through some ESPN network or another. It's almost all streaming now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Last couple of years, it's, it's pretty much shifted to the plus. I think the only, if I'm not mistaken, the Georgia spring game has been the only one in the sec uh, that was available on regular TV last year. And and Colorado this year. That's it. Colorado. Yeah. Because of prime. prime. Yeah. Yes. So, and I think maybe they're on the deuce or the other way around. But, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's about it. Get Prime to bring Colorado to Bryant-Denny for a spring uh, game. Uh, you, wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to put well, that on premium. You could get Aflac to, to sponsor right. it. 
I mean, you'd have Prime and Nick in the commercials every break, you know. Yeah, Prime, would be, Prime would be down. He'd love it. Oh, Prime Prime would love it. You know, <laughs> all these, all these, well, I mean, Colorado is obviously a P5, or at least while the Pac-12 still is a P5. Right. Um, you know, but what about these coaches that are already on the hot seat? And let's say you're at an SEC program and you scrimmage Louisiana Lafayette or something. And you lose the scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, we firing coaches in April now. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that that admission they might charge, it might go to buyouts instead of charitable causes. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. I'm glad to be on a new network here with Belly Up. Be sure to give us a like on Facebook, a subscription on YouTube, and a follow on Twitter. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, co-host of Crimson Cover Television on WVUA 23, and we will talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.